At this time, we're going to prepare to receive the tithes and offerings, so if the ushers can go ahead and get ready for that. You know, last week I was reading something, and a statement caught my attention. It says, God's generosity fuels our giving. And I thought about that. I was like, God is so generous. Right from the beginning, his generosity is proven when he gave breath to animals. He gave the sun to plants, the plants to the land, stars in the sky, man to woman, woman to man. And he didn't stop there. His generosity kept going when he gave us his son, Jesus. And then he gives us a way to spend eternity with him. So when I think about that statement, God's generosity fuels our giving. How awesome is that God's example allows us to be like him. And since we've been created in his image, it just makes sense that we would be generous as well. So let's pray. And Father, we just thank you so much for being such a generous God and for demonstrating that generosity. And you have called us to be just like you. So Father, stir within us, Lord, that generosity that you have given us right from the beginning. We thank you, Lord, for the hearts that are here that give cheerfully out of obedience and faith and trust. And we thank you for taking our tithes and taking our offering to advance your kingdom. Bless the giver, bless your church, bless your children, and we thank you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever asked yourself, what is my purpose? Or why am I even here? I know I have, many people have. Well, Pastor Sheldon starts a brand new series called Why We Exist with a message entitled The Main Purpose of My Life. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. God has a purpose for you. Let's take a look at this video together. Hi, my name is Kalika, and I've been attending New Hope since uh, March of 1993. My journey started... Uh, in February 3rd of 1993, when I, I had my last beer in, in alcohol, I had my own shop for long, for, since 1978, and uh, I just had did things my own way because I, I had a quite big company. But then, things, my daughter came home from college and she's, she picked me up one night at the bar and she said, Dad, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? And that was the beginning of my alcohol-free days. I was restless and I didn't know what to do with myself without alcohol. I came up to New Hope in March of 1993. And that was the beginning of my walk with Christ. One day, the Lord spoke to me. And because I was going to Bible study, I was in a, and I was doing my devotion, I came across the scripture, Haggai chapter 1, and that scripture really worked on me because we just complain about, you know, why why the church not doing this and that, but I, the, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, I had a ginger farm, and I had all the equipment, I had tractors, tailors, sprayers, and fertilizers, spreaders, and all kind of equipment, and which I could take care of this place. So I started uh, yeah, about the ending of uh, 
1993, I started to clean up the whole premises. But then in 1994, I was sitting at my desk at my shop and I started to draw a picture of the of the walkway, the, the garden, and that's how I drew walkways and gardens and I had the gazebo and the, all in, in place and that's how I got the, the vision to do the garden. There's a plaque that was, I, I found a poem in a, a little booklet and it says, pause one moment just to pray. And that's the theme of the garden, pause one moment just to pray. Because we all go through hard times and that, that's the reason, you know, this. But the, the, the beauty part about it, the, you see the heart of the people donating plants, donating time, labor. The Lord stirs your heart, you know. No man is an island, you know. We all need each other to make our great church greater. Amen. We say thank you to Kalika for sharing this morning. And if you sit with Kalika, there's so much more, but we had to condense it for today. I have with me Chad Kaneko, and Chad, you work with our garden ministry. Uh, some of you have seen the garden ministry, and when you came in or when you drove in, you see it on that side. Some of you have worked the garden ministry, but Chad, we, we have this vision of the garden ministry, and it started way back then with people like Kalika and then those who are volunteering. I know Ali was a part of it, El Tabulu was a part of it back then. But what are some things that you see uh, heading into the future about the garden ministry? Yeah, so um, maybe about a couple of years ago, I was out in the garden and um, I, I started to kind of see like how it's been getting overgrown and, and um, seeing the amount of work that it takes to take care of the garden. And while we had a few volunteers that are helping, it started stirring my heart in how we could do more to take care of the garden and, you know, hearing Kalika's story and some of the other um, seniors that were serving in the garden, got to hear their stories and how it changed their life in, mm -hmm. in just being out there. And so um, as I was out there, we started to, what I started to do is have our salt projects where we would meet and we would go out in the garden and clean and tend and take care of the garden. Um, and we did this throughout the year. And then what I found out was that by the end of the year, when we got from one side of the garden, we worked our way to the other side. The other side just grew back again and everything was growing strong and the plants were overgrowing again. And so I just, you know, I, I thought, you know, our seniors are out there serving in the garden and um, we want to continue that. And then, so we actually want to start our seniors garden ministry and, um, you know, they're overseeing the garden, um, but it's a place that everybody is welcome to be a part of and serve as well. Yeah, I know Stu was out there yesterday. I saw him and, and Stu continuously does the garden. I know Donald is out there. Uh, he also paints the lines in the parking lot. It is, it is amazing uh, of what our seniors are able to do because of their, their eye to see detail. And we call them forerunners or our kupuna, but this church would not be here unless for our seniors. They're that valuable. And many of them, and Kaliko is one of them, when they came here, when we built this place, it was more about what God was doing through them than it was about the facility because everything that they did was done for God and came out of a heart of love. And whenever God spoke, and in this case with uh, Kalika, uh, the book of Haggai, where God says, you're living in all of these nice houses, but what about my place? You, you have these gardens, but are you going to take care of my place? 
and that spoke to him. And I'm sure there are many of you here today that when God speaks to you, you move into action, or at least we try our very best. And God says, here's what I've given you. I've given you a life to live, a gift to use. Use that for me. And when it's used for the glory of God, he takes that and he expands eternity for other people. He includes other people, especially if you're new and you're wondering about your relationship with God. It takes a lot of people to do what we do so that one person would say yes to Jesus. And you talk about the SALT project. By the way, SALT stands for uh, serving and learning together. That's why we call it SALT. Uh, but when you talk about that, people come together and then they take care of the facility, but it's more than just a facility. Yeah, you know, when I was um, helping out in the garden, I don't know nothing about gardening, but as I'm out there, I'm learning from them. And what I'm learning is just, um, you really see for me, like I start to see the value in, in the plants and what's out there and also how that relates to my life and how what God is doing in me and changing my heart. And for me, it just shows how much of a blessing it is to just jump in and learn from our kapuna and what they know and be a part of their lives. Yeah. Can we say thank you to Chad for all that you do, Chad? Thank, thank you, you so much. And, and part of us, us realizing our, our, not just our gifts, but what we do for God is why we're here. Because if we think about why we exist, it has to be more than just living in this world. There must be a purpose for us being here in this world. Now, today we kick off this new series, Why We Exist, and we're going to be talking about the main purpose of our life. In fact, you can take out your, your church app or bulletin to take some notes. But if you think about it, probably at an early age, we started to wonder, like, what is, what is out there? Is there more to life? Watching movies didn't help because, you know, they show aliens and all these different life forms elsewhere. And so our thinking capacity starts to expand at an early age. And then we think about our personal life, especially if we go through a struggle. After a while, we start saying to ourselves, like, why do I do what I do? What is, what is the reason and the purpose of why I'm here? Why do I even exist? And we can go into many theories, but we're going to look at the main purpose on why we exist because God created each individual, each person with a unique life to live out. You're not going to live out someone else's life, and someone else is not going to live out your life. We, we are responsible for the life that God has given to us. And he will gift us, bless us, empower us to live the life he created us to live, not to live someone else's life. And if we can stay focused on him and try to live our lives the way he did or the way he asked us to live or the way he created it, to be, then we're going to find a, a better lifestyle to live rather than hit and miss and then trying and, and failing and trying and failing. Instead of trying to live and figuring it out, how about we go to the source of where life came from and then he'll help us walk through it. See, when we try to live our lives apart from God, we miss the very reason why we exist and we fall short of our God-given purpose. And in the end, we feel empty and even sometimes lonely. But the main reason why we're here, the main purpose of our life is to really think things through when it comes to our relationship with God. Our main purpose of life is coming back to our relationship with God. Because he created us, he knows how we're supposed to live. He's the, he's the inventor, the one who formed us, so he knows how we're supposed to work. Just like any type of gadget that we buy, the car that we drive, any type of invention, if you really want to know how it works best, go to the inventor. That's the best way because the inventor knows the purpose of every, every single thing, every button, every, every uh, 
electronic board that's in the computer. The inventor knows exactly what it's for. And I'm sure every single one of us has asked the question, why am I here? Like, why do I exist? God, why did you create me? Sometimes we wonder what our purpose is. But did you know that God planned you and I for his pleasure? He didn't plan you and I for our pleasure. He planned us for his pleasure as the creator. But what does that mean? And where do we go from there? How do I live out my life purpose? And how do I live out my life to accomplish his purpose? Because we all have one. You know, it, it, it takes a long time to do certain things, especially if you're working with children. My grandson, who at, at that time was seven years old, uh, I believe he's still seven years old, we were building a Lego set. So we got him a Lego set, and what I didn't know is that in the box, there are three sets of Legos. So the first Lego set, I'm putting together with him, and he wants to build it. So he says, Papa, you read the instructions, I'll put it together. I said, absolutely. 45 minutes later, we finish it, and it is like this big. It's a small little office that we put together. I'm like, oh my goodness, that took so long, and he's happy. He's like, oh, this is so good. Let's build the next one. I'm like, what next one? He said, there's two more. I'm like, two more? It's 8 o'clock at night. So we build the next two, and you connected all of them together. It took so long just to put these Legos together. I'm frustrated, but he's loving it. He loves it. Now he puts a little Lego man in the thing, and he's, he's an office guy, and he's playing with this. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's like a Jurassic World uh, type of Lego set. So he's playing with this, and, and I'm, I'm watching him now play with this. As frustrating as it was to build the thing, my greatest joy was watching him enjoy what was created. That's what gave me pleasure. That's what gives God pleasure, is that when we enjoy the life that he created for us. Oh, we may have made mistakes. We may have done some some things that we're not proud of. We may have some past history. But God says, I, I formed you and fashioned you for me. And I enjoy watching you enjoy your life. Will we come across hard times? Absolutely. But because we're so human, we will go up and down in our joy and our sadness, our joy, our strength, and then our weakness. We're going to go up and down, but... If we can come back to God and say, God, the life that you have given me, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yes, we're going to have some hard times, but God, if you're there with me, I'll be okay. I'll be okay because you're the creator. And God created us, not because he was forced to, not because he thought, oh, we need people on this earth, not because he wanted to fill up heaven. God created you and I because he loves us. He created us out of love. It gave him great pleasure to create us. In the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible tells us, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Have you ever created something, and, and then when you were done, you took a step back and, and just took delight in what you created? Like if you took all day to build something, you're covered in sawdust, maybe you got some cuts here and there, and, and maybe you're tired or exhausted, but then when you're done, you take a step back and you look at it and you say, wow, that's, that's great. 
And then someone else comes along and says, hey, a little bit crooked, a little bit. And then you feel like, wait, wait, what? Then you start looking at the flaws. Well, God doesn't want us to look at our flaws. He wants us to look at his creation. Because in God's eyes, you're perfect. You're perfect. He created you out of perfection. Now, not perfect in the way we're not, we're gonna, we're not gonna make any mistakes or perfect in the sense of we have no flaws in us. No, no, in God's eyes, the Bible tells us that even before the world began, God loved us and chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Which tells us that even though we have faults, God looks at us and says, my love for you supersedes the faults that you see. He covers us with such love that he doesn't see our faults. We see our faults. We see our flaws. We look in the mirror and we see a lot of flaws. And then as time goes on, we see more and more. Until after a while, we're like, I don't even want to look in the mirror. Which maybe sometimes we need to because we want to be presentable. But God looks at us and he says, I see so much more than what you see. I, I, I see greatness in you. I look at your life and, and I see what I can be in you. And when we take a look at our lives, and maybe we need to do that, just take a step back and look at what God is doing. Because that's where we get it from. We get enjoying something we created by God. We get that from God. Because that's what he does. He looks at our lives and he, he loves us. The, the father looks at us and he, he sees greatness and potential. We took on his quality as the creator. So now we can create. We create things and are delighted in what we created. God delights in the things that he created. But the main one that God delights in is us. Although we have the most beautiful place here in Hawaii to look at, landscape, sunset, sunrise, God looks at us as his most prized creation. The Bible tells us in Psalm 149, verse 4, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. See, God didn't have to make us. He wanted to make us. That's how much he adores you and I, thinks of us, and loves us. You're the coolest person to God, regardless of what your teenagers say about you. You're the coolest person to God. That's why he made you. He loved you first, and then out of that love for you, he created you. He brought you and I into existence. Ephesians 1.5 says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. There is no question that you're valuable to God, significant to God, and have meaning in this life. Your value, your significance comes from God. Not in what you do, not in what other people say, not in your performance or how people treat you, or even what you say about yourself. It all comes from God. Oh, we can always, yes, we can improve our attitude, we can improve our perspective, we can, we can mature, but these things have nothing to do with your value and your significance. That comes from God. If I were to ask each of us in this room, what is the main purpose of your life? What is the main purpose of your life? We would have hundreds of answers, even those online, hundreds of answers, maybe even thousands from providing for my family. Maybe, maybe we think the main purpose of our life is to take care of the family or to serve God or make a difference in this world. We'll have different answers. Maybe we think our main purpose in life is to add value to others. But really, our main purpose in life is to bring glory to God, to bring Him pleasure. 
to live in such a way that he's joyful in the way I'm living. Not that we're trying to live out a perfect life, but I, I, I don't want to give God grief. I want, I want to live in such a way that I give him joy because God himself has the ability to enjoy, to love, to laugh, to see. God, God created us in his image. That's why we're the way we are. We have the same qualities of God. We're not, we're not God, but we have the same qualities. He created us in his image. And God wants us to live a life filled with joy, not just, not just a life that endures hardship or to just exist for the sake of existence. He, he wants us to enjoy our life. God gave us our senses, taste, touch, sight, smell, hearing, to enjoy our life. And we get this from him. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 16, we know, how much, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. God gave us that love. And so now we, not only can we love God, but now we can love one another. So the question then is, well, how, how do we show God how much we love him? How do we do that? That's a difficult thing to do. But I think every single one of us can fulfill the main purpose of our life by carrying out these three basic steps from the Bible. And here's how. Here's the first thing. I fulfill my purpose by worshiping the Lord. That's how we fulfill our purpose. It's by worshiping the Lord. I'm sure the moment I say that, we think about singing songs to God. It's a part of worship, but that's not worship in itself or in its entirety. There's more to worship than there's singing songs. Anything in life that gives God pleasure and delight is an act of worship to him. It's more than just singing here in church. If you think of an engine, I mean, if I were to ask you, hey, what part of the engine is the engine? There is no part, one part, that makes it the engine. Every part put together makes it the engine. And so it is with worship. Worship has many components and moving parts. It's not just singing. There are so many more ways to worship God. And we were created to worship God. It's inside of us. We're, we're hardwired to worship God. That's why when we don't understand what our purpose is in life is, that our purpose in life is to worship God, then, then we, we always find something else to take the place of God, even if it's ourselves. And we take the place of God. What about people who don't believe in God? Who's their God? Themselves. And we think of it in the way of, well, that does, they don't worship themselves. Again, we think of worship in, in, in a small kind of way. We think of worship in one specific way, but there are so many components to worship. And for, for many people, they've basically substituted God with themselves. But in John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus says, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In other words, God created worshipers and he takes delight in our worship to him. He takes delight. We may think of worship in the religious way through songs and maybe even a sermon or sometimes we have a candlelight service. We do church on Sunday mornings and we have prayers. We just had communion the other week. Worship has so many more elements. Those elements are included in worshiping God, but it's not limited to these elements because worship is a lifestyle. 
It's a lifestyle. We live out worship. We don't do worship. We live it out in everything that we do. And we fulfill our purpose by worshiping God. Here's a second thing, that we fulfill our purpose by living for the Lord. Like we're, we're, we're living for him. I've heard people say, you know, I, 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 could, I would die for God. And people have. They're, it's called martyr, uh, martyrs. They're called martyrs. When people die for God, die for be- their belief, martyrs. But the question is not if I would die for my belief. The question is, would I live for my belief? Would I live for the Lord? Because worship is far more than music that we sing to God. Everything we do here on Sunday morning is worship to God. From the songs we sing to the scriptures we read, the notes we take, uh, the getting ready this morning was your worship to God. You might be thinking, no, I was getting ready, and it took me three or four times to get ready, and I, I changed this, I, this didn't match, I put on these shoes, they didn't match, I grabbed this purse, that didn't match, I grabbed this hat, that didn't work. It's like everything that we did this morning, it wasn't about just getting ready and, and putting our, our clothing on, it was about our worship to God. It, everything that we do is an act of worship or can be an act of worship if we know why we're doing what we do and who we're doing this for. And everything we do here on a Sunday morning is our worship to God. It's not just the singing part. You know that there are people in the kitchen and our well right now who are cooking and getting things ready for you and I? That's their worship to God. Kalika in the garden, that, that's his worship to God. When we, when we do things for God or we have that mentality, that's our worship to God, our camera crew, our sound mixer, those who are upstairs, people running the slides, those who are putting our live stream together, people on our children's side, they're all worshiping God. We're all a part of the bigger picture of singing songs. And God takes pleasure in watching us serve him. It's our worship to him. It's living out worship to God. Every single one of us is a part of worship to God when we understand to live out our worship. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, it's a psalm of David, King David, when he presented madness before Abimelech. And he did that because he was on the run. And so he had to kind of disguise himself, who drove him away, and he departed. This is David running. But he also says, I will bless the Lord at, how many times? All times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know when David said that? That means even while he was trying his very best to not get captured and played the madman in the presence of this Abimelech, this one man who would have taken him out, David just act crazy. And, and in David's heart, he was saying, this is my worship to you, God because I want to fulfill all that you're asking of me. I'm going to have to do this right now. Now, whether he was right or wrong in it wasn't the issue. The issue was David's heart was saying, God, I'm going to do this for you because I am going to bless you at all times, not just during church time, not just during services. It's at all times, not just during prayer times, but at all times that his praise shall continually be in my mouth. What David was saying is, my life is my worship to you, God. Everything I do is for you. This is why I exist. I exist for you. Therefore, I want to give you great pleasure. So the question then is, as David was saying, that his praise shall continually be in my mouth, the question is, what comes out of my mouth? Is it glorifying to God? 
Is God honored by the things I say? Does it bless the Lord? Are the words I speak giving praise to God? Now, it's not walking around and saying, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Every word that comes out, oh, praise God, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise God, praise God. Oh, my car crashed. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I've heard people say that because it's an automatic, like someone is going through a difficult time. Oh, yeah, I got to clean bankruptcy. Yeah, that's okay. Praise the Lord. What do you mean, praise the Lord? I'm going through bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah, praise God, praise God. I just lost my car. Oh, praise God, praise God. Good thing you get legs. Like I hear things like that and that's not what the Bible is saying. Now, I know we want to encourage each other. But what the Bible is saying is our lifestyle, living it out for God, that's where our worship is. How are we worshiping God? How are we living out our life to God? Did, did, did you know that worship can, can worship that came, uh, that we learn today uh, will always change. The styles of worship will always change. But worship itself came before the music we had. Worship came before music. I'm so thankful that worship is far more than singing and music. Because then many of us would not be able to worship. I'm not putting people down. I'm just saying I'm so glad that it's not only how well we sing or if we can play an instrument. Or it may sound pretty amazing <laughs> if that were the case. But God says, no, that's not what your worship is to me. It's not just singing songs or, 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 or playing music for me. It's, it's greater than that. Because God is not just limited to one thing. He's greater than that. We don't, we don't enter our time of worship. You know when we come here, we, 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 we don't enter our time of worship. We don't sing a song and then say, oh, I like the worship songs. I don't like the fast songs. I like the worship songs. Everything is worship. From beginning to end, everything is worship. Our whole life is worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do all for the glory of God. Now, I've even heard people say, Oh, yeah, that's why I go to the bars. I try to, you know, try to witness to the people there. So, I, you know, I got blend in so that, you know, I won with them so they understand so I understand that God accepts everyone. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. No, no, the Bible doesn't say do whatever and sin and then use that as your worship to God. and say, oh, glory to God. Let's go. <laughs> it's more than just the acts of what we're doing. There's a heart issue there because we can justify anything. What the Bible is telling us is that when you're, when, whatever you're doing, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, when I used to think that way, my conscience started to speak to me. His spirit started to speak to me. And it was his spirit that said, here's where you need to grow from. Because you think you're doing this for me, but you're really not. You're justifying your actions. And I'm like, oh, okay, I need to change. And what God does is he strengthens us, and then he empowers us to be more and more like him. But if we don't know why we exist, we don't know our main purpose in life, We'll just live however we want, and then we'll just let whatever happens in our life happen rather than living purposely for God. There's an actress by the name of Gianna Simone, and she's a Christian actress, and she writes this in one of the articles that I read. She said, it's the greatest thing you can ever do in your life, and here it is, bringing God and showing people that he loves us through our deepest and darkest times, through our most beautiful, glorious 
highs and that he's constantly with us, that he's not mad at us, that he's madly in love with us. And the reason why she was saying that is because what she was stating to the reporters is, as a Christian in Hollywood, it's very difficult, yet she says, I'm going to hold my standards. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to do certain scenes. I just refuse to do it. I just refuse to do different scenes that I don't want to do. Another actor, his name is Neil McDonough. Uh, McDonough. McDonough? M-C-D-O-N-O-U-G-H. His name is Neil. He said... And he opened up about why he sticks to his Christian convictions, even though he was once blacklisted from Hollywood for refusing to perform sex scenes. So he said this. He says, you get one shot at life to do things the best way you possibly can and to give glory to God in everything that you can do. That's a tough place to be in, in Hollywood, and stand firm as a Christian, but Many of these Christian actors and actresses are doing that. See, the style of song that we sing is not what God is concerned about. It's probably more our concern than it is God's. Our style and how we want to do things. See, the, the, the style of song says more about us and our likes rather than about God's character and how we should be worshiping Him. Because God loves all styles of songs, varieties. But what God wants is our hearts. That's what He's after. That's why, that's why Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Referring back to the bar scene. Do everything wholeheartedly as to the Lord, not to men. This is, this is why when we worship, it's all for God. It's not for us. If you ever felt that, man, I didn't get anything from worship today, then you, you, were, you were probably focusing on the wrong thing from the very beginning. Worship is not for us. Yeah, worship wasn't good today. Then that's, that's on you. You choose to worship God, not the songs we sing. We could, we could play with spoons and you can still worship God. Well, it may be difficult, but you can still worship God because it's a, it's a choice that we make. If we focus on the Lord rather than style or our, our surrounding, we can worship God. Worship isn't about you and I, and it's not for our benefit. It's for God. But we also benefit from worship. But that's not why we worship. But we do benefit from it. I can tell you this. If we have that heart to God and we say, God, I worship you with my life and everything that I do, there are great benefits to that. That's not the motivation. That's just God's reward to us, his blessing to us. That's why Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Yeah, we fulfill our, our life's purpose by worshiping God, for living for God. That's how we fulfill our, our, our purpose, to bring him pleasure, not the other way around. It's for us to give God pleasure. It's for us to live a life that's pleasing to him. And then the last thing, we fulfill our purpose by committing our life to the Lord. Because that's why Jesus died for us. When sin separated us from God, God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave us his son so that we could connect back with him. Worship to God is ongoing. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not just in church services that we worship him. It is all the time. 
But before we can do any of that, we must first commit our lives to God. Not just for the moment, but throughout our entire life. Like that, that's a lifelong commitment. When I made my commitment to, to, to marry Heidi, it wasn't for the moment. It was for life. <laughs> I say it with such passion, it was for life. Because I love her dearly every single day. Now, were there moments that I, I, was, I was dipping in my, my lack of love for Heidi? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But anytime I felt that little change of heart or attitude, I always went back to God and, and I said, God, can you give me the kind of love I need for Heidi because I ain't got no more. I need, I need more love for Heidi. I, I can't love her with a human love. I need like supernatural love. Can you give me that kind of love? And not because Heidi's some bad person. It's because I myself am a human being and I have sin. So because of that, God has to change my heart. And the only way to do that is for me to say, God, I'm committed to you. Imagine if my life with Heidi as a, as a married couple was committed on the marriage day or my wedding day. And I say, I do. And then the day after that is like, I might. I'm not sure. I am kicked out. That's basically how life will go. So I have to come to the realization that my commitment to God is a lifelong commitment all the way into eternity. That's why Psalm 105 verse 4 says, search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Continually seek him. Don't look for, uh, you know, things going well in church or if worship was done well or if, if the breakfast was well. I mean, we get bent out of shape for small little things here at church, real small little things. Like you walked in, it's like, where's my seat? What, what happened? Where's my seat? Or you pass by someone, oh, I'm sitting in my seat again. Like small little things. Oh, that's why I usually park. They took my parking stall. I mean, just small little things. We were destined for hell. I mean, we were, we were separated from God. That's where we were going. The, the, the small things we complain about are so tiny, minuscule, compared to the greatness of God and what he has given to us. That's okay if no more Portuguese sausage when get fried rice. It's okay. It's fine. We're all going to heaven. There's a purpose on why we exist. God gave us a, a life to live. And sometimes... We stop searching for the Lord and for his strength. We start utilizing our own. But the Bible says continually seek him. See, praising God and worshiping him starts when we first get out of bed and then the moment we lay our heads back down. It's all day. Every single moment. It is a lifestyle. It is, we're living for God. It is continuously worshiping him. That's why Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. In other words, what, what the Bible is teaching us is from the moment we get up, we're worshiping God. From the moment we get up. And you know what is so difficult is that the moment we get up, especially if we have children, or like my grandchildren slept over the other night, they're up before me next to my ear. Papa. They didn't even brush their teeth yet. Papa. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, help me. Please. Papa. On cereal. Go make it. <laughs> go, get, go get it. Go get it. I'm only five. It's okay. Just don't spill. Like, 
first thing in the morning, then I have to switch my mind and my attitude to, wait a minute, Lord, I want to focus on you. I don't want to focus on the morning or just jumping out of bed and getting ready for work. I want to focus on you. And it takes a lot to do that because we're so routine. But from the moment we get up, the Bible says, you hear my voice. In the morning, I, I lay my request before you. And I, I wait expectantly. Psalm chapter 119, verse 62 says, At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Have you ever gotten up like in the middle of the night and you're wondering, why am I up? Sometimes God just wants to speak to you. Don't go to the refrigerator and look for cookies. <laughs> that's, not, that's not why we're up. It's, maybe God is speaking to us. Just pause for a moment before going to the refrigerator. Just pause and say, Lord, are you speaking to me? Is there something you want to tell me? And if God says, go have some cookies, go have some cookies. But you're committed to God. You're saying, God, I'm committing my life to you that even in the middle of the night when you speak to me, I'm thinking of you, I'm giving you thanks that you're constantly thinking about the Lord. And when you commit your life to God, every activity can become an act of worship to God. Everything that we do, rather than just trying to justify something as an act of worship. And if we do, God will correct us. If we continually seek him, God will correct us. There was a guy who came by, and I, I told this story before, but he came by, and I was on the other side of the campus, and it was my friend, and he, he parked his, he, he, he drove to the sidewalk area where the covered walkway is, and then I was closer to the buildings, and he said, hey, hey, Sheldon, Sheldon, come, come, come. I was like, what's up? He's like, come. So I went to his car, and, and I said, what's up? And now he's sitting in his car. I'm at his, the driver's window, and he says, um, the church can use on camera. I was like, yeah, of course, we can, we can use it. Like, why are you whispering? Just, just wondering if the church can use on camera. I said, yeah, 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 sure. He has like a jacket and it has a camera underneath. He goes, you can use this one. And he covers it. I'm like, <laughs> what is it, surveillance? What, got like satellites on you? What, what? I was like, yeah, we can. Why, what's up? He goes like, no, no, it's because... Um, you know, we, 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 we found some stuff. And I just felt so bad that we found some stuff. And um, I thought, maybe if I give this to God, everything going to be okay. <laughs> and I said, you stole that. He's like, well, well, well. I was like, Wait, what? And what, you think I'm going to accept that? And I said, oh, yeah, go get some more. What, what do you want me to do? I said, you, you stealing this and giving it to God doesn't make it right. And he goes, so you can use them or you cannot use them. I said, what? I said, what are you thinking? You know what he was thinking? Basically, God was correcting him. God was correcting him. He was trying to figure a way out of it. And I said, here's the best thing to do. Just return it. Man up to it. Return it. This was years ago. I said, just return it. I don't know if he returned it or not. I just told him, you need to return this. See, if we're doing things and we're thinking, oh, no, I can, I can use this as an act of worship to God, God will correct us. It'll, I mean, our conscience, our heart, our soul will, will be in turmoil as God continuously speaks to us. And listen, listen to God. Don't justify. Just listen to him. Obey him because that's where the blessings come in. The blessing comes in when we obey God. We have a purpose for living. And it's living out our life to God. Worshiping him being committed to him. The life that we have is a blessing. 
what we go through sometimes may not be, but if we persevere with God, we're going to see in the end that all of this had a purpose because every single one of us has a purpose for living and it's to give God great pleasure. That's our main purpose in life, amen? You can close your Bibles and your, put away your notes and Glenn can come to the keyboard. I want to close with this because I think for some of us, we may think of our, our jobs and, and even if you're a student going to school, your child growing up in, with, with your parents and you're wondering, but what about my life? Because I don't see my life as, a, as worshiping God. I don't, I don't think that what I do is, is pleasing to God. And you may even think, but, but I work as a cashier. I, I work at customer service. I go to school. They don't let me worship God. Let me take that, that word, let. No one has to let you worship God. You don't need permission from other people to worship God. Oh, no, 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 in my workplace, I cannot worship God. There's no way I can open the Bible at work. No, no. Again, we're so confined to a certain way of worshiping God. You can worship God. Did you know that even though you may be behind the register, that while people are coming through, you're coming in contact with hundreds of people that may not know Jesus Christ. You're working in customer service with people that come day in and day out. You own a business that you work with people. Who do you think put you there? Oh, I worked, I worked that thing. I did everything myself. No, no, no. God set you up. He found the perfect person to reach the people that, that he loves. And you may not ever thought of your, your job, your life, your family, that, that you're the one. You're the one God created to reach these people. It may very well be that someone's eternity lies in your hands. So as people come through the line, you don't need permission to worship God. In your heart, you're worshiping God. You greet them. You say, good morning, welcome. And you might be checking their, their items, but in your heart, you're worshiping God. Lord, I worship you. This is my worship to you. And you're talking with people. You're loving people. Even your coworkers. Maybe you're working in a, a shop somewhere and, and there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of, you know, maybe not so great of language or, you know, maybe, maybe people are, are, are talking negative all the time or, or whatever it is. And it brings you down. Maybe there's darkness surrounding you. Just turn on your light. Let your light shine. Changes the atmosphere. Changes people's lives. You be that person. You be the one that walks into a place and you light up the room. You light up the atmosphere. God put us in a darkened world for a reason. He gave us his one and only son for a specific reason. This is our main purpose of living. This is why we're created. This is why we exist. It's a dark world. Even our very own families are going through difficult things. We might be going through difficult things. Turn on that light. And watch what God does. You don't need permission. We're created to worship God. It's just who we are. As a mechanic, worship God. When that, when that wrench slips and you punch the engine <laughs> by accident, <laughs> Lord, I worship you with all blood, sweat, and tears. Just this morning, getting ready to come here, couldn't find my keys. And I'm looking all over for my keys. Like, I need to leave. 
And I'm thinking, wait a minute, God, even this is worship to you. Because it could have went bad between Heidi and I. We've had those mornings where it's like, did you, did you put my keys somewhere? There was no way I was going to ask Heidi that question. There's no way. I just kept wondering, where are my keys? Where are my keys? And then I'm thinking, wait, my grandchildren were over yesterday. Did they take the keys? So I'm going through this, and I thought, you know what? Let's just, Lord, I just want to focus on you today. I'm not going to get distracted. Just focus on you. See, everything we do is an act of worship to God, or can be, or it can devastate our day. Everything we do is our worship to God. Every single thing. So when someone asks you, how was work today? Usually we reply with maybe something like, ah, same old, same old, or oh my goodness, you know, so-and-so, this, this and that. But may we change that. When someone asks you, how was work today? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Why? Because I could worship God at work. I could worship him all day. See, when you worship God, things change. Why? Because you did it for God. Even at work. Not for a paycheck, not for the boss, but for the Lord. This is the main purpose of our life. Everything for God and with God. Because everything was created by God. Including you and I. This is the main purpose of our life. Amen. You bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, our worship to you has, has so many facets. It's not just singing songs, it's our life. This is why we exist. This is the main purpose of our life, is to worship you. It's committing our life to you. It's living for you. And today, Lord, I pray for anyone who's here. And, and maybe you're here, you're, you've been sitting and you're wondering, you know, I, I, have, I don't have a relationship with God. I want to commit my life to God, but I don't know how to. I want to say a prayer with you, and it's a prayer of salvation, which means that we're saved from eternal separation from God to now having eternal life with God. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, I, I want that relationship with God, then as I say this prayer and you repeat after me, you just include your heart. I'm just going to lead you, but it's your heart with God. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Make me into the person that you created me to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the very first time, could you just acknowledge that by lifting a hand real briefly? Okay, God sees your hand. Anybody else? You're saying, yeah, I see that. Okay, God sees you too. Anybody else? You're saying, I said yes to Jesus. Okay, right here. Anybody else? You said yes to Jesus. Okay, back there. God sees you too. Okay, you too, you too, right there. Yeah. God sees you. God sees you too. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, I pray over these that have committed their lives to you. The future and the hope that you have for them is astounding. We cannot even imagine it. And I pray for all of us, Lord, even as believers, when we slip and fall and we we go up and down and we make mistakes. Lord, can you once again renew us? Freshen us. Make us brand new, Lord, so that as we leave here today, we would know why we exist and that our main purpose of our life is to worship you and live for you 
as we commit our lives to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, and we all said together, amen.